enter, Lord Christ, we have joy in your coming. You have given us life, and we welcome your coming through the words of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? I want to say, start my homily by saying, first of all, that having been a priest for 42 years, it all began for me, really, from the words of the gospel, the words of Jesus as a, as a 21-year-old studying and reading the Bible at night, not wanting anybody to know what I was doing, because I wasn't so cool back then to read the Bible when you were 20, 21 years old. But I kept coming back to the reality and the resonance and the, the glowing light of the words of Jesus in particular. And the words of Jesus that struck my heart and began a new journey in my life were these words where he made a claim. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You let those words sink into you. What Jesus is saying is that my life is the answer to all the significant questions of human existence. I'm the light of the world. Light brings energy. It brings illumination. It brings strength. It brings guidance. And Jesus said, if you will follow me, that is, be my student, become my apprentice, come under the master class of life that I am teaching you, you will not walk around in darkness. In other words, you don't have to live your life in a sense of futility and perplexing mystery, but you can follow me in such a way that you will have the light of life, life. A new unending quality and species of life, eternal life, eternal living, beginning right here, right now. Not someplace far off and far away, but right here in your human circumstances and in your existence, you will have the light of life. In other words, eternity is already in session as you follow me. And if you want to go to heaven, go now. Now, I say all of that because as we come to the gospel lesson for today, it's the same kind of word that Jesus gives to us. And remember, if he's the light of the world, then his words bring such understanding to the deepest questions and mysteries of our human existence. We don't have to live in an existential void or in a place of darkness, but rather we can find tremendous hope and encouragement in the midst of the darkness that is all around us. And there's so much to ponder in the story of these two sisters, Martha and Mary. What a magnificent story it is. So familiar. And it has so much depth to it. But what caught my attention in getting ready for this day in reading it again, what caught my attention is just how hard it is for humanity and human beings, for you and for me, to be still, to quiet our hearts, and to sit in the presence of the God who loves us and promises us 
that he will be with us always. We're so distracted, so pulled apart by so many things in our culture and in our day and age, this digital age. And, you know, here I have my iPad to do my sermon, and here I have my cell phone. And all of these tools, as blessed as they may be, literally were designed to steal our attention, to capture our attentiveness, to take it away from that which is real and solid. I struggle with it too. This distraction, so many worries and concerns, so many difficulties facing us in humanity. So much pressure, so much bad news, so much difficulty in living out a sense of purpose and freedom. We are so distracted. But that's what we do. That's how we think. We think that's the way it is to live in this world. And yet, we're so distracted, we are working ourselves into spiritual oblivion. This is what I take from the story. This is the greatest problem. The distracted life is the enemy of the true life. The distracted life is the obstacle to a spiritual life. The distracted life gets in the way of our transforming friendship with Christ because we are so concerned about many, 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 many things. And so today, a number of historical circumstances blindly flowing together really bring it home that we are, in a sense, destroying so much of what is real about life. When I was about 10 years into my priesthood, I was in uh, Colonial Heights, Virginia, at a small parish, St. Michael's there. I'd been a priest for about 10 years, and I remember already beginning to feel this sense of complication and distraction and many worries, just like Martha was trying to serve, trying to do the diakonia, the service of God in her way. And I remember that I came across the contemplative tradition, Mary's tradition, Mary sitting at the Lord's feet. Mary being still. Be still and know that I am God. That began to be the cry and yearning for me. And I would go into the sanctuary all by myself. And I would just sit in silence at the Lord's feet. And I have to tell you that something began to change inside of me. Where I realized that if I didn't make that choice on a consistent, regular basis. Then I would become a person burned out, dangerously tired and estranged from the loving presence of God. We find it all throughout Christian history, all throughout our tradition as Anglicans. One of the ways in which I have found, I think Nancy would say the same for us as a couple, is that we have to get out of the superficial and into the real, and there's nothing more real than creation itself. And if you look at the the wonderful Celtic tradition that we have in the Anglican Communion, the saints, the St. Columba, St. Aidan, St. Bridget, St. Patrick, these folks were in the natural world most of the time. And that's where they encountered a transforming engagement, an interpersonal engagement with the real. What is the real? It's Jesus Christ. Nancy and I have visited 
in Scotland, the island of Iona, where St. Columba in 563 established this wonderful monastery and began to proclaim the love of Christ to the peoples in the islands, out on the Hebridean islands, at the edge of the world on this deserted island. And when you go there, you are removed from all the superficial reality of life. And you're out in the wild and you're out in nature and you can pray and you can know this is the right choice for life. So this is the problem, the distracted life and You know, even though I know all these things and have had all these encounters, I still struggle with it because it is the human condition. We get distracted. And so I love the story. Jesus is walking on his journey and he's invited into the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha begins immediately to serve in the best way that she knows how. And I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand this story. It's not a slam against Martha. There is absolutely every reason for us to be in active engagement in serving others. That's part of the cycle of the Christian journey. You can't just sit at the Lord's feet forever. you got to get up and act. Because God created us with agency. He gave us the ability to create goodness. And creating goodness is action. And we need to do that. But here, Jesus is saying something not about Martha's serving. He's saying something different. Martha comes to Jesus and says, can you please get Mary to help me? That's triangulation. You don't want to do that. And Jesus, loving Martha so much, he said, Martha, not once, Martha, Martha. Because he loved her. He cared for her. And he said, you're so distracted by so many things, Martha. You're pulled apart. You're missing the presence my presence, and your own presence. You're not present, Martha, to what is happening, what God is doing right here. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. And I love the way the Latin puts it, and I'm not a Latin scholar, but I just like the sound of it. Jesus was saying there's only one thing necessary. Unum necessarium. (laughs) The unum necessarium, the one thing necessary, the one thing that is of the essence of all things. What is it? My presence, being with me. That's the answer to the distracted life. That's the choice, the best choice. And you have a choice. Without your choice, it will never happen. Without your intention to be with God. And and listen, God is your transforming friend. And so you want to be with God. It's to slow down and simplify your life for what really matters. Now I have to say I'm impressed by the young people here today. Brothers, right? Acolyte, numero uno. And a fantastic, fantastic, brilliant reading of the scripture. You're young enough to be making good choices. Some of us older folks, we've made some good choices and we've made not so good choices. But we still have a choice every day. And that is to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. I wanna close with a a poem that I came across that kinda captures the emotional reality of this. 
that the Christian journey is an interactive relationship. It's not just what you believe, as important as that is, but it is an interactive, interpersonal encounter and engagement with your friend Jesus. And to follow him is the best deal that you will ever get in this life. And so I close with this poem. You came in search of rest away from the road, that bright, shadeless road where so many came and you gave so much. You gave so much. You came and sat down in the cool room. The shutters pulled against the heat and Mary sat too. And it was enough. And it was enough. Just sat quietly at your feet. Her face turned up to yours as she listened. And you saw how the light fell across her, as if for the first time, as if for the first time. And this is what you want, what you long for. Not the elaborate preparations we would make, not ourselves swept and scrubbed to perfection, our acts and our thoughts impeccable in lifeless rows, but to be here in this light, to be here at your feet. May we make the choice for the unum necessarium, the only thing that matters. Amen.